much for chiming in and listening, and we are so excited for this episode 15. But where physically are we right now? We're at Ryan's kitchen table because... I know, we, we're going to throw off our... We're going to just kill the vision for our listeners. The thing is, for, in San Diego, we, we're sensitive. We're a sensitive bunch. We are. We're, and really, we're only comfortable when it's between like... 69 and 78 and that's being generous i think so today uh, it's even 74 in, it's in the 90s today so and muggy we we did not put us nor our amazing guest today in the hot sultry sweaty treehouse um <laughs> you're welcome arnell you thought i was going to africa where it's going to be really hot huh? <laughs> right. so. we arranged right. this for you we are so excited today to have our professor, our doctor, our president, <laughs> Arnell Motts, um, here with us. That um, both Don and I had the joy of having you as our professor at Bethel Seminary, San mm-hmm. Diego, um, our mentor, our friend, a supporter of the crazy things that we do in the kingdom of God over yeah. the years. Um, and we, we not only are thankful for you to be here talking with us, but we're just thankful for your impact in our lives. Yeah. And we're excited for what you're up to. And well, I want to say before you go, just to, to expand on that, uh, you were one of the first people that saw, like, right, before you got there, frankly, Ryan and I were a bit kind of misfitish and people didn't get us. Oh, there is in seminary? There is, is in seminary. <laughs> um, I mean, that's kind of a common theme in our life that we don't fit in the places that God put us. But um, we really didn't fit. <laughs> and you showed up and suddenly, like, you kind of believed in this weird thing that we were doing, even though it was really undefined. But even in our misfitish ways early on, you totally um, just leaned into that and encouraged us and kind of fueled the fire for what we get to do today. Um, so thank you for being a part of that. Well, you are very generous in your comments, and I don't know if I really deserve all that, but I was delighted to have you as students. You are, you're my all-star students, so that's that's a great privilege for Wait, me. Wait, I've never heard that in my life about me. You haven't? Well, of course you were. Did he you not get everybody. the preaching award? Yeah. yeah, that was just one little taste, and I should have given it to Don, but... Oh, great. I got another award. It's fine. Don't worry about it. You did, yes. She we was gave like you global, the global, global Impact Award. That's right. So, uh, other than bringing you a box of candies, I don't know. I that's the best recognition I could give for you. <laughs> Love well, it. We're so glad to have you here, and just for our listeners to be able to experience some of the really awesome things that you taught us. Um, and one of the things we want to dive into today, because you will learn over the course of this podcast that Arnell has one of the most fascinating backgrounds of people um, that I've ever met, and so he has worked around the globe and he is, I'm going to say an expert just because of his experience on culture. Um, cause he's worked in so many different cultures and that was one of the big things that he actually took Ryan and I through a class on, um, the gospel in culture and the gospel just being, you know, the good news of what God has been up to in this world. Um, and how does culture impact that? So Arnell, would you just give us kind of a sense of what you have done, how you have kind of grown in this area of culture, and then we'll kind of talk about how that impacts um, how we see what God is up to in the world. Well, first of all, I want to deny that I'm an expert in this, because, <laughs> but the fact is, is I really don't know any experts in it anyway. I think we're all just fellow pilgrims and journeying <laughs> through this thing along. together. Yeah, yeah, that's right, bumbling along. And 
But I guess in my journey, I, um, interest in culture is, I guess for me, starts with my heritage, uh, my um, grandparents, my dad, as part of that family, immigrated from um, Eastern Europe to, uh, to Canada, a um, German background, never really understood my parents too much because they didn't speak English, uh, <laughs> or my grandparents, I mean. And uh, so I guess I had a little bit of cultural mix uh, as a beginning there. But um, for me, some of the kind of deciding things were, like, for example, I remember being at uh, my last year at Biola in a, a, a communion service, and they... In that communion service, um, Clyde Cook had taken and, and said, as you hold the bread, how many have been omitted from the breaking of the bread? And then we mm. took the cup and said, how many have been omitted from the mm. break, uh, drinking of the cup? And various internationals stood up and said, you know, 300 million so-and-sos. And, so, and that made a, a deep impact on me. And so I always wanted to be involved in missions in some way. Um, and I had an opportunity to go to Bolivia and produce television programs on the government network that they gave us there. And then with Luis Palau for all of Latin America. Then being part of OC International and heading up a Canadian side of OC uh, as, a, as a new ministry there in Canada to churches and developing their missions vision. And then had a chance to go to Ethiopia and Bolivia again. And so I've lived in various cultures and had various roles. And I'm grateful for all of that. I just, um, God's been good to me in giving me those kind of experiences. Sometimes we are, we were all talking about this earlier before you arrived was the power of our journeys, the impact of our journeys around the world, being in different countries and cultures. Cody was talking about Congo. Dawn, many, many of you guys don't know, but she and Drew lived as missionaries in Mexico for a couple of years. And, and I've gotten to travel the world too. And it's amazing how travel can broaden your concept of who God is and what good news is to people um, in a global context rather than our small um, just San Diego context or wherever your listener is, like your city context. You may have only heard gospel in one way or imagined God in one way, but travel broadens that. It, it, it does. It, it also um, helps you in terms of interpreting scripture because scripture um, is God's truth that comes through culture. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and for us to best understand it, we need to understand the culture that it was... Um, was related in. Mm -hmm. And so when we come to interpreting scripture now from our perspective, we, we sometimes learn a lot from other cultures just yeah. because it, um, it passes through their culture in a different way than we, we experience it mm -hmm. and seeing it in their eyes um, enlarges our whole understanding of scripture itself. Now this is, this is totally putting you on the spot, but <laughs> so I'll give you a second to think about Maybe a story or a passage from scripture or, or a truth from scripture that did change because of your cultural context or because of you traveling or seeing things in a different way. Because many of us will sit down, we're challenged to read the Bible, so we may pick it up in our living room or late at night and we'll read a passage about Jesus interacting with people in a certain way, um, but missing maybe a deeper understanding because we don't know what the context was. 
Well, one example that comes to mind would be in Mark 3, where Jesus is, first of all, he's accused of being demon-possessed, you know, being a Beelzebub. And then he's speaking to people in this house where his mother and his um, brothers come to get a hold of him because they think he's out of his mind mm -hmm. at this point. But they come to the house, and they don't go in and get him. They send somebody else in to get him. And I think that's a, 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 a cultural picture in terms of, um, first of all, their culture was a shame culture. So even though they came to confront him, they would not confront him in front of the crowd. Hmm. And they brought him out and so that they could confront him privately. Now, the rest of the story is, is uh, you know, what, what Jesus did with that. But the point is, is that culture affected how you read that passage because they were concerned about um, him and his reputation, but not shaming him in front of the others. That's interesting, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So when you think of um, this idea of culture, what role, I mean, you've, you've kind of open the door to it a little bit, but what role do you think culture actually plays in how we understand the gospel? Well, I think um, the role that culture plays um, is more in terms of um, how we communicate the gospel. I, I mean, I could talk to you about, I referred to just the, the shame culture right. of, of the Middle East there in, the, uh, in Jesus' time. But, but the fact is, is that most Asian cultures and even African cultures are shame-based cultures. And we tend to be more of a guilt-based culture. <laughs> can you, so true. Can you yeah. contrast those? What does shame-based culture mean? Well, a shame-based culture is going to be, first of all, we tend to be more collectivistic are they, in, in terms of their thinking, mm -hmm. whereas we tend to be more individualistic in our mm -hmm. thinking. But in a shame-based culture, they're more concerned about honor. And, and it's not that they're not concerned about guilt. It's, I think both elements are existent in, in all of our cultures, but some cultures will be one is more than the right. other. And in Asian and African cultures, the whole aspect of shame and honoring the family, honoring the ethnic group um, becomes a very important element. So in terms of the gospel, um, the message of the gospel with for example, a shame-based um, cultural person has more to do with restoring honor, um, not um, uh, restoring that, that sense of shame. Uh, you know, you, you have, it's hard for us to understand how you could be, um, shame can affect you. But for example, when we first went to Ethiopia, one of the things I had to deal with was uh, a high school graduate that failed his entrance to university and he tried to commit suicide. Mm. So mm. he ate rat poison and I'm there beside his bed trying to understand him. And, and, and I, yeah. it was hard to understand how you could do that just because you failed an exam. But <laughs> in theirs, their case, that was, they shamed not just themselves, but their family and right. everybody else. So the, the Bible really deals with both aspects. The Bible deals with our personal guilt of being guilty of sin, but a shame-based person may not um, respond to the the um, aspect of, of guilt 
um, first, rather they may respond to the ex- aspect of shaming. Interesting. And then you bring in guilt. So is it... Uh- is kind of an, the distinction there, the root of either like individual, like guilt is more personal based and sh- like my actions reflect badly on me or, you know, mm-hmm. something like that. And then shame is more like my actions reflect badly on this group of people that is bigger than me. Exactly. It reflects on your family. Mm-hmm. It reflects on your, basically your tribe in a sense, right. your, your yeah. ethnic group. And so they feel that sense of dishonoring them. Um, and, but the gospel responds to both. It responds to the fact of restoring honor. Mm-hmm. Um, and it responds to the fact of our, we have sinned. And God has found a way to deal with that sin problem through putting Jesus, the second person of the Godhead, incarnate into human flesh in culture, so that you could mm-hmm. deal with us in our cultural context. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's, that's so interesting, and it makes so much sense with what we've probably all experienced with being outside of the United States. And, and I remember my time in Congo, there was that more like uh, collectivistic sort of way of doing life, and even, even in the way of doing church, so to speak, quote-unquote church. Um, I just noticed, that was one of the first times that I noticed this sort of living in community and like relying on one another way more than we do here in the United States. So it's so interesting that you bring that up. And see, that also has implications of, of how we call people to the gospel too. Mm-hmm. Because in our culture, you know, to having a, I could say pep rally, but an evangelistic rally or something where we get all excited about something and we call people to make a decision. We respond to that because um, we're individualistic. We, we're ready to do that. In a, cult, a collectivistic culture, um, they, they um, don't do that, as, respond to that in the same way because they have to take into account what, what is this impacting my family? How is yeah. it? And so it's not that they won't decide against the family, but they need to decide in honoring the family. Mm-hmm. So many times when we find when a, a young person, a, a university student or a high school student decides they want to follow Christ, they say, well, you need to talk to your father or your family. Um, mm-hmm. They will probably be upset with you, you know, and you prepare them for that. But they, for their own sense of community, mm-hmm. they need to respond to the authority, the, the sense of honor within their family. And then they will still say, you, but I'm going to follow Christ. But they've honored their, their parents. They've honored their, the authority structure that's there. That's fascinating. Now, we know we were so thankful to get you before you leave for a great journey, which is very soon. Um, can you tell us about where you're going and what you're doing? Because uh, you're going to be entering into an international, multicultural um, space where you're going to be communicating gospel. So what are you about to do? Well, um, in less than one week from now, we will be in <laughs> Ethiopia. And we were there from 1997 to 2003 in this same kind of role. Mm-hmm. Um, it just so happens that I... Uh, 
was leading a team of doing a pastor's conference in Uganda, coming back through Addis, and the pastor resigned, and the elders said, would you consider coming? And so it all led up to us going back and doing something like we were doing before, even though I expect there will be a lot of things that will be quite different. But the role that I have is, is being lead pastor of a congregation of about 2,000 most of those are Ethiopians. Two-thirds of them are Ethiopians, but they are what we call the internationally minded. They're university students because all university education is in English. Mm -hmm. They're government leaders. They're business leaders, professionals. So the influencers within society, it really gives us a chance by, by trying to reach the internationally minded and the Ethiopian culture. It gives us a chance to reach those who are the influencers in, in their culture. Another 20% are other Africans. So they're like mainly from French-speaking um, embassies mm -hmm. and organizations. Um, but they are um, diplomats and business people. And then about 14% are Westerners, meaning North American, Europeans. A lot of those are relief and development workers or teachers or some missionaries. But um, it really is an African church but it's an African church in terms of being an internationally-minded group of people. So my role is, is helping them develop a vision for how to effectively reach their people. Uh, we did some of those kind of things before in terms of using business symposiums, of uh, responding to abject poverty within our reach of our church, and then helping other churches do the same kind of thing so they didn't they wouldn't be dependent on outside aid, aid organizations. And uh, so that's, and then they've started two satellite churches. One of them happens to be a Chinese, uh, no, uh, two satellite churches in other locations, but they've also started a Chinese congregation. Okay. And for the last six months, I've been serving as interim pastor at a Chinese church. So I get to use that little card on when well, I go to Ethiopia, too. Right. It, you know, one of the things I love even about that little point is how um, God doesn't waste anything. You know, sometimes we're like, you might have not, ha you're serving in a Chinese church right now, and you're like, okay, well, here, I'm doing this. I'm just here, yeah. you know? And then God's like, oh, wait, I'm going to loop that into this bigger picture that I've been painting mm -hmm. in a really unexpected way because you're going to go to, Africa and serve a church that has a Chinese congregation like that's so random. Yeah. yeah well, you know, this is that's that's a great um, point to make in terms of like the journey of life. Sometimes uh, there was a period in my life I was teaching at Biola in instructional technology and say, why did I do an MDiv mm -hmm. at seminary? I don't need it. I should have been doing something else. Right. <laughs> and then yes. you come down further in life and you say, oh, I am so glad that God brought that into my life. Yeah. 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 It's so true. That's been my experience as well. Well, I, and I also just want to put an accent mark on the story that, that you just told, that you just happened to be visiting right. on a Sunday that um, in Ethiopia that the pastor unbeknownst to anyone, says, hey, I'm, I'm out of here and I'm out of here fast. And all eyes shifted to you. Hey, Arnell just happens to be here from San Diego. Let's ask him. And it turned out to you leaving in less than a week to go and do this for at yeah. least probably a couple of years. Yep. Um, God is funny in those ways, mm -hmm. right? And yeah. uh, so, so the question we wanted to lead to is now we are in 
as you are entering and have been in a multicultural, post-Christian um, America and now even global and international church. And when you are in a multicultural, people with all kinds of different backgrounds, religiously, um, ethnically, and uh, just the diversity is great. How do you, how does that impact the way you share the good news of a God who loves people and gives life to people? I think it, one, one way it impacts it is, is, is the whole individualistic approach that we need to have sometimes in sharing the gospel. In other words, it's not just a blanket mm-hmm. presentation. It's how do you respond to, for example, in my situation, how do I respond to the French-speaking African different from the Chinese? Um, or how do I respond to a university student who is probably more akin to university students here in the United States than they are their own Ethiopian culture mm-hmm. um, as to some of the older ones that have grown up within Ethiopian culture and, and in that case probably lived through 17 years of communism and have been shaped by that. You mm-hmm. know, they each represent a lot of different cultural um, Im- impact here and but you know you're doing the same thing with with uncommon good you're you're recognizing that there are cultural differences even within your own culture how do you share the gospel differently how do you understand them differently and so one of the things that i think you're really doing uh well at is is the um the end of the importance of relationships you know in Mm -hmm. Uh, an older generation, they would, you know, you could have a rally and sing just as I am, and they would respond. Right. Now you're, people don't respond that way. They need high touch. They're, they're living on their phones, and, and, and yet they're void of relationships. How do you bring that into it? Because that's what the gospel is going to be communicated on in terms of mm-hmm. the kind of relationships that are built. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that you used the term earlier that the um, scripture, the Bible, is um, God's word expressed through culture. Can you talk about what you mean by that a little bit and how that even shapes? I mean, you talked about how that shapes our reading of, of scripture, but why did God do that? Why is that significant? Well, it's significant because the whole, at the core of the gospel is the fact that that God chose to incarnate himself into and what does human that mean? flesh, put himself into human flesh, into human culture. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, you, you uh, for God to say, okay, um, the second person of the Trinity will become human flesh, and we live out the story of what it is to have Jesus come to earth and be part of, dying for us, Mm -hmm. you know, so we know that story, but that's God, um, that's God incarnating, putting himself in human flesh so that we could understand what this is all about. Um, so in that sense, the, um, everything, everything that we do is looking at, okay, so how do I incarnate my, my own self, my, um, my own understanding with, a, a cultural group that I'm not familiar with. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's a Vietnamese 
community that we're trying to reach. Their culture is so different from ours. How are we going to reach them? You begin to reach them by understanding their culture. Why do you do that? How do you make decisions? Oh, uh, you know, and so you begin to ask questions because mm -hmm. you don't know. You have to learn their culture to be able to understand how to communicate the gospel to them. And you know what I think is so significant about that, even for people who are listening, who are like, okay, I'm never going to Ethiopia or Vietnam or whatever. Like, um, what does that mean for me? I think there's this, um, this beautiful truth in the, in the God who incarnates, right. And that we are then called the, so the God who steps into the story of people and then how we are called to step into the story. And it's, by be, you know, being us, it's by living in our bodies and walking out to the story of God in our own lives that we get to then participate um, in this God who incarnates, which is a really cool... Well, I think as soon as that incarnation or the becoming human, that, that high-touch, high-relational culture that you talked about is the power of the gospel is why when theology and religion become so spiritual that they become void of humanity. Or so formulaic. Mm -hmm, that, and void of, of relationship. Yeah. They be, whatever that topic, it, it becomes irrelevant to our daily life. Mm -hmm. What's relevant to our daily life is the in-the-flesh experience of life mm -hmm. and understanding and our relationship with other humans. And that is where God enters and says, let me inform that at a, at a different level. You reminded me of... This moment, I, I spent a summer in Zambia, and um, I had to get used to something that was so different. Um, when you walk down the road there, um, and you're, you're with another guy, and you're talking to a group of people, it's so common to hold hands. And I remember this man, Bapule, reached out, he held my hand, and he didn't let go. And we walked a long ways holding hands with another man, and that was not normal in my life. <laughs> and... Uh, but we talked as we went, and it was such a way to connect and tell stories of life that was so close. And I think that is what exactly what God wants gospel to be for mm -hmm. us, like mm -hmm. to break through the philosophies that are distant from our heart, um, the struggles that feel distant from our heart, and he wants to break through and hold your hand and incarnate, become flesh, and say, I love you, I want to give life to you, I want to answer your brokenness, and I want to heal and restore you. And you just reminded me of that in such a powerful way. And, and we, we will be praying for, for your experience in Ethiopia. Thank you. Yeah. And we just thank you for your leadership and just being an example of adventure. Just, I love it. Living out the call. Like, here we go. We're, we have a chance to go to Ethiopia. Why wouldn't we be doing this? You said um, yes. You, you said and yes. your courageous <laughs> wife who you called and said, hey, what do you think about this? And she yeah. said what? <laughs> She said, well, she was in drama rehearsal at the Chinese church, and, and she says, oh, here's a text from Arnell. And so she started reading it out loud, and uh, not knowing what it was saying, mm -hmm. but as she read it, it said, you know, they've asked, would we be willing to go, and da -da. and, and the, the, uh, the, her actors replied back to her, oh, you mean, you would consider doing that? And her first response was, well, in a heartbeat, I would. <laughs> I love it. That, she's awesome. <laughs> yep. So Very we just cool. um, are so blessed by you and your ministry, and we just will be praying for the adventure of Ethiopia, round two. Thank so you. So thank you for being here with us and sharing your wisdom. Thank you. Thanks, Arnell. 
All right. If you want to uh, hear more or if you want to experience more Uncommon Good, you can visit us at www.uncommongoodsd.com. If you'd like to come to one of our events, just visit our events page. Follow us on social media at Uncommon Good SD. Thanks for listening. Thank you.